Welcome to Spirited Word. By God's Word proclaimed, the Holy Spirit works faith in God's grace in Jesus, when and where He pleases. Sermons by Pastor Adrian Kitson, Lutheran Church of Australia. God's word for today is written in the third chapter of the letter to the Colossians, beginning at verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And after all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, the thought of conflict between people being not only a matter of one's rights, but also doing what is right, seems to be a little foreign or a little rare in our culture you don't often hear people doing things to do the right thing, but you often hear people doing what they do to get their rights, to keep their rights, to fight for their rights. That anyone who has been wronged would simply give up their moral and legal right to exact their fair share of compensation for the wrong done against them for some other greater good is quite difficult for the legal system to deal with when it happens. It might even be difficult in your peer group when it happens, or in your professional workplace, or even in your family. When you're wronged, you should expect compensation. When someone threatens your rights, you have every right to fight for your rights. The thought of someone intentionally paying out to do what is right rather than defend his or her own rights, is quite a rare jewel and difficult to deal with for this certain lawyer man here. Here we are, folks, here we are. People who have had the righteous one, the rightest, if that's a terrible English, the right one, the righteous one, declaring us rightly guilty of our idolatry and our brokenness and our deadness to him, and then willingly dropping the lawsuit, removing the death sentence out of sheer undeserved love. The law of love versus the law of the world. He did this by taking our idolatry and our rejection of his word and our inattention to him and our lack of affection for our loving creator 
into himself and paying its price, not with cash, not even in credit, and not even by selling off the farm, but by blood, his blood. His life for right. His love for right. His life for rightness and love with him. As the disbelieving man of the world cynically snapped, the fairy godmother came down from the clouds and the big brown wolf, or scary wolf, came out of the woods. Well, he did, and he wasn't a wolf, and he wasn't a fairy tale. He is the living, breathing judge of the world who forgives the sins of sinners. Friends, the point is that reconciliation is not possible if all we are consumed about and concerned about is getting our piece of the pie. If all we are consumed about is getting our rights, fighting for our rights, and getting our fair share of the dosh, or whatever the situation is, reconciliation is not possible. The higher goal of love is nowhere in the room. Peacemaking starts in the heart of a person who knows that they are guilty of biting the hand that has fed them all of their life with grace and kindness and peace and hope. With great disrespect, we do this. And yet in the same heart is the amazing news that by God's undeserved love and affection and kindness, our death sentence has been dropped because he paid in full, as the writer to the Hebrews says, once and for all, about 20 times. Once and for all. So now I am made holy and acceptable and right in God's sight by his action, his initiative, his wide, deep, high compassion and kindness and grace to me in my baptism and in that holy meal and in those words of absolution I hear and in the mutual consolation and conversation of you and me as brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm made holy and acceptable by the perfectly right, only truly right, fully right, righteous one, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He did all of this, and now we live in this new situation with a higher goal, a higher vision, a higher way, a different way. What did they call it? The country of the dead men or women made alive again. That's our country. That's our place. Or we might say the peacemaking territory of the Prince of Peace. That is where we live, and he lives in us, that we be one. So, so far we have heard that a critical attitude the Bible urges us to take into any misunderstanding between people, any difference of opinion or goal, or any over-competitiveness with other people, is the attitude that conflict, or actually the belief, that conflict is an opportunity. Conflict as opportunity. Rather than something we have to be scared of and either deny, 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 or fight, fight, fight. There's a better way. Conflict as God's opportunity. A God moment, if you like. I don't know how you're going with that. We've been banging on about that for two weeks now. I wonder how you're going. 
Conflict is opportunity. Can you believe it? We hope you can, because until we start there, the rest isn't possible. So, we hear Jesus praying for us this morning uh, that we may be one. And we hear these words the Apostle Paul urges us to, let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. <clears throat> so what opportunity does conflict bring? Number one, any misunderstanding or difference of opinion or goals or any over-competitiveness to get our share of the pie brings with it the opportunity for God's good name to be named, spoken of, acknowledged, and maybe even praised. Maybe even praised if reconciliation is reached. I've seen this happen from non-Christians. Conflict can be the opportunity for people in conflict to, in the end, give thanks to God, give all the glory for the joy they've found and the freedom they've finally found after all this time, to give him praise for that. And faith is reborn. It can. It does. I've seen it. We give glory to God, you and I, as peacemakers, as we show him honour and we speak well of him and we tell the story of who we are in Jesus in the situation as best we can. And not as goody-two-shoes, righteous, self-righteous people, but as people who have had the death sentence commuted by a very merciful judge. How do you practically do that? <clears throat> well, here's three things that we suggest. How do you bring glory to God in conflict? Well, or even how do you view conflict as opportunity? Trust his word and his gifts of grace above your very well-learned and practiced old Adam ways of dealing with conflict, which are deny, fight, assault, etc., etc. Trust his word and his gifts of grace over and above the ways you've learned so far to deal with conflict. Possibly even do this. Use the Ten Commandments. Have you thought about that? People ask, what's God's will for my life? Just read the Ten Commandments. It's pretty much it in any situation. And the positive view as a guide for living for Christian people, not condemning us, but a guide for living, how we are to respond to each other in all kinds of situations and ways of life, marriage, family, work, you get the picture. Trust them rather than being our own little gods, being cut adrift to make up our own mind on everything and do exactly what we want to do. And maybe the last one, imitate Jesus, as the scriptures often call us to. Imitate Jesus. Hear his teaching in the word. Hear him speaking in this gathering through the words and the actions of another brother and sister in Christ. Hear him suffering with us and for us. Imitate him rather than someone else or some other goal. Three possibilities for approaching conflict as an opportunity, not as a scary thing to run away from. Okay, and number two, what's the other opportunity? Number two, conflict gives you and I the opportunity to actually put into practice our faith, to actually be like Jesus and serve each other. 
Jesus emptied himself of his rights and his privilege, as we know in our home text in Philippians 2 this year. He emptied himself of all rights and all privileges, as he had right to do, and he took the form of a, a form of a what? A servant, a slave, a serving person, even to the point of death on a cross. So we take the conflict opportunity as an opportunity to come at our brother or our sister, or maybe even our enemy, from underneath, from a serving position, as Jesus has taken with us. The posture of a servant. Friends, if we do these things, and as we do these things, we could say also that conflict is an opportunity for you to grow, to be deepened in your understanding of yourself and your understanding of God and your understanding of your partner or your children or your parents or your mates at school or your mates at work or your family, your extended family. Conflict is an opportunity to lift the lid and work through the issue rather than run away from it or just bang on about your rights all the time. Can you see it? I know, I know it's hard to do, and I'm not saying you should be expert at it at this point. None of us are, but can you see it? That's the main thing. Can you see it? And if you see it, and if you hear it, I wonder whether you could believe it. Because if you believe it, you might delve into that issue. You might make that phone call. And you might have that meeting. And you might be more fully God's peacemaker in your place. We can say that conflict is God's opportunity to teach us and lead us and make more of us and make us more like his son, the saviour. And why? Because we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been according, called according to his purpose, which you have. So friends, please hear this morning that you have been called to be a peacemaker. Every Christian has. We've been gathered by the power of the Spirit. We've been lit up. We've been enlightened by the mighty resurrection power of Jesus the Saviour. We've been given new life, like little Cooper was given new life, and we've lived in it every day since. We've heard his word. We've received his grace over and over again what shall we do with it? We can throw our rights away if we choose, not as a doormat, but as a person of conviction of a greater goal, the goal of love, the goal of reconciliation, not just conflict resolution. And an interesting thing, one last thing, we can throw away our rights, and sometimes we can even throw away money with it. But as peacemaking Christians... We are very unwise to throw away the pearl of great price. What is it? A good conscience. Woe to us if we treat that, you know, without care. A good conscience is the greatest gift. To be at peace with our Creator is the gift of great price that we will cling to and we will protect every day. We'll never give that away. A good conscience to be at peace with our God and to work for peace in as much as it's up to us, if at all possible, every day. Even if rights are on our side, even if you have every right to seek compensation or win that moral victory and take the high ground over your friend or your adversary, 
we are able in the freedom of Jesus in the gospel to go for more than just being right, to go for love, to go for reconciliation, for new joy and new hope and new future. That is our calling. That's our challenge in as much as it's up to us. So all glory to God for his grace and his love and his commitment to us and his kindness and his resurrection power and the holiness that he gives to us as we gather in his presence. In the name of Christ. Amen. And the peace of God which passes all of our human understanding. Keep our hearts and minds in Christ these days. Amen. For listening, Pastor Adrian serves at St. Petri Lutheran Church, New York, Barossa Valley, South Australia. St. Petri.org.au